Hey, it's been a while. Thanks for joining me again for Imperfect Me Women Season 2. As we start Season 2 off, I am so excited to introduce you to Angela. She has um, an amazing story, and I can't wait for you guys to be able to hear what she has to say and to learn from her. She's incredibly inspirational. So I don't want to take anything more away from that. Enjoy her story, and I'll follow up at the end. Angela Quinones Corsini is a 45-year-old Colombian body acceptance coach with a background in psychology studies and education. Before deciding to be a transformational life coach and body acceptance coach, she was working for Penguin Random House as DK's publishing and licensing manager for Latin America. She has also been a teacher, EFL teacher trainer, and a mentor. On a more personal level, she is a body positivity advocate. She has participated in body positivity campaigns as a model in London and Milan next to professional models and activists sending a message of positive body image for women over 40. She has also been invited to Latin America Women's Forum in different cities in Europe. She raises awareness on chronic illnesses. She has lupus and fibromyalgia, but she calls herself a lupus warrior. She has also participated in 5K, 10K races, and as she says, she was even able to finish the London Landmark Half Marathon in 2019. So that's amazing. All of the things that you've accomplished. I have to compliment you on the Penguin Random House audio <laughs> stuff. <laughs> I I love books and audiobooks and I feel like I recognize that name because so many of the audiobooks I listen to are through there. So I think that's so cool that you've been able to do so many different things and such a wide range of experiences. So thanks so much for being willing to be on the show today. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for um, inviting me. Thank you. Yeah. So I know that you have a really neat kind of journey and story to share with the listeners. So where would you like to start with that? I mean, I would love to hear more about um, when you got diagnosed with lupus and kind of your journey from that point. So if you want to start there, that would be great. Yeah, that's absolutely fine. I was diagnosed at 25, when I was 25 years old, and they discovered that I had lupus because I had a miscarriage, the first miscarriage out of too many to count, probably. Um, So it has been a tough journey, and and it's been um, really, you know, a way of of, um, trying to get to know myself again and, and, and... it's been years of trying to get to know what my body is able to do and not seeing myself as the woman I was before I was diagnosed, but, yeah. you know, like rediscovering again, um, the woman I am today or the woman that I am after being diagnosed with lupus and fibromyalgia. Yeah. So, so you said that you first got diagnosed when you had a miscarriage, um, for people who don't know about lupus, tell us more about what lupus is, what does that mean as far as the diagnosis is concerned? Sure. So um, lupus basically it's an autoimmune disease. And um, to put it in very simple words, um, my antibodies attack my, my body. 
So instead of, um, you know, when you got a bacteria or you have a virus, your, um, your immunological system just, you know, gets active and starts um, fighting all these external things, right, that, mm-hmm. that make you ill. In people with um, autoimmune diseases, that immunological system is always on. It's always like on war. It's always ready to fight. The problem is that um, it doesn't have anything to fight from the exterior world. Basically, it, it fights yourself. It can fight um, certain you know, substances in your body or something at a cellular level um, and that. So for us loopies, as, as sometimes we call ourselves, uh, we feel that we're on a continuous flu state when you got a very bad flu or a very very heavy cold where you can just you know you your body aches you're tired all the time and and you're very sensitive to certain things in my case i'm very sensitive to sun to the sun mm-hmm. it for some reason it activates the lupus um it's it's a very strange disease that lots of people have and to be honest we really need to um, create more awareness and more research about it because it's a life chronic illness. It's something that is going to be with us for the rest of our lives. So, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if that was clear enough. No, yeah, that that helps me understand it better for sure. So when you found out about it, you said that you had a miscarriage and they diagnosed it. What was that process like for you to find out, like all of a sudden your world had changed and you have this lifelong chronic illness well it was very it was very difficult and it was very um sad because mm-hmm. it's like having two bad news at the same time yeah. so like okay you've just lost a baby and we have to run some tests because clearly this is not normal to be honest it didn't happen straight away let's say that because i had a mis- because i had the first miscarriage and then the second and the third they started you know, doing uh, more tests to see what was going on. Right. And that's when they, they discovered it. And um, I, at the beginning, I never thought it was actually going to be that bad. Mm-hmm. I was, I was more uh, depressed because of the miscarriages than the actual illness, right. because in Colombia, that's not very common. I don't know if in the world is, is common uh, like other illnesses, but 20 years ago it wasn't it wasn't really that common so I never thought it was actually going to be that bad and I never thought it was actually going to change my life so yeah it was it was uh, it was sad it was depressing and I started gaining a lot of weight because of the medication so I went from being slim and fit and very sporty to being overweight Mm -hmm. like a lot and then you know my body my body wasn't functioning properly. I had I was in hospital several times during the year. It was it was a bit crazy to be honest for a woman at twenty five, without without knowing exactly what was going on in her body. If, yeah, if you know yeah. I mean. Suddenly yeah. feeling very out of control of a body. It sounds like I mean your body was healthy and fit, and you were used to being an active kind of person before all of this happened. I was I was very active and uh, and probably that was part of the reasons why I got so depressed because then in my mind I was still the same person I was still slim active fit sporty full of energy 
But when I wanted to do things, my body didn't respond. I was achy. I was tired all the time. I started getting bloated and and having um, very strange flares Mm -hmm. where my hands and feet got very, very bloated to the point that I couldn't even walk or use my hands. So it was it was it was very difficult and it was very strange at the same time because you feel that you don't belong in any uh, diagnosis and doctors don't know what to do really. Mm-hmm. So so basically what they do is that they just give you a lot of corticoids and um, corticosteroids mm-hmm. which have so many uh, side effects that that clearly you just don't know what to do with yourself, to be honest. It's, um, it, it is difficult. It is it is really difficult. Right. And so not only on top of your body kind of feeling out of control when you go to seek help from doctors, they don't even know what to do. So I imagine like that entire situation, when I think through that, feels very hopeless and out of control. Yeah, because, because then, I mean, if if you are given a diagnosis and then they say, well, this is what you need to do and you'll be fine or we'll try this and, you know, to make you feel better. I think that gives you some kind of hope Mm -hmm. and then you're fighting for something and you're trying your best to get better because there is, you know, that objective of, of being healthy again. But in these cases, there is, it's hopeless really. And uh, no matter what you do, you will always have the condition and it will always come back to you. Sometimes it's going to be harder. Sometimes it's going to be easier to deal with, but it's just there. So um, at, at that time, doctors didn't know much, you know, in terms of um, what to do. And, and by doctors, I mean rheumatologists, right. which is, yeah, it's um, their expertise or their area of expertise. Uh, and they just give you tons of medications that, but but then when you ask what is this exactly that I'm taking, or what is or how is this going to uh, benefit me, mm-hmm. then they just you know they just give you a general um, answer. I remember that once I was in the hospital, really really uh, ill, and it was really bad. And I remember that once once I uh, started with the medication in hospital while I was in hospital my blood pressure raised, mm-hmm. I mean, dramatically. I've never suffered from high blood pressure in my life. But then there, it was it was happening. And then obviously being bloated and, and gaining a lot of weight and having all these secondary effects or, or, you know, side effects from the medication that was supposed to make me better. Right. One of those uh, medications I remember, which is um, hydroxychloroquine, can give you glaucoma. Mm. So so then you start thinking, okay, what is this? What am I doing to myself? Right. I mean, what are the risks? What are the risks? I mean, should I just try to deal with it? Is it, am I uh, healthy enough to live with this at a certain extent and, you know, have a normal life? Or should I just risk other things of my health to try to feel better? Right. So you're just there you know it's it's a I don't know if the right word would be a conundrum Mm -hmm. just because you don't know what to do really should I just take all these you know medications that long term are going to have side effects or should I just try to stay on the you know the healthy side of of a condition that you don't even know what to do with it well and it seems like it would be kind of all-consuming I feel like if I was in a situation like that 
I would be constantly researching and constantly looking for answers because there just weren't answers for you. And that would take up yes. so much additional and energy, just stressing about how can I feel better? And it's not a good idea because um, according to the symptoms and according to the um, research that I started doing 20 years ago on lupus, I, you know, I, I could have been dead mm-hmm. by, by now, mm-hmm. which in a way is, is, it's funny, but it's obviously not funny because there are actually people right. that, that are dying, that. of course. But then, but then, as you say, it's so consuming. Then you started getting very stressed because then you say, okay, I'll take all this medication. But then I lost my hair. Um, I gained a lot of weight. Uh, my mental health was um, really affected by all, all this. And I remember that during the time that I was working, I was functioning. I was working, but I was depressed right. without even knowing that I was depressed. I was, I was being successful, you know, in, in a social standard of being successful, which is working for great companies and, and having all these amazing jobs and a good salary and providing for your family. But then inside, you're just, you're lost completely because you're just in, 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 a, in a automatic mode of just surviving yeah. day by day and trying, exactly, just trying your best day by day to to carry on with with your life in you know in without any support basically mm-hmm. because there are not many support groups at least not in latin america right. so yeah so it's 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 a, it's challenging yeah, yeah to, to put it in those terms is is challenging is exhausting and uh, yeah it's uh, depressing yeah. really so how long do you feel like or what was the progression from you kind of going through this initial diagnosis, learning, okay, this is actually going to change my life and still mourning the miscarriages that you had. What do you feel like what started to change for you as far as your outlook on everything? I know you mentioned that you have a daughter as well. So, so tell us more about that, that journey and kind of what happened there. It was a long journey. I think that the day I found myself coming in and out of hospital twice or even three times every month, not not being able to spend time with my daughter and my family Mm -hmm. because I was working all the time internationally and I was on a plane all the time. And then I said, is is this really it? Mm -hmm. I mean, is this worth it? Am I... My feel I'm feeling so ill, so bad, so sad, so lonely, so depressed, and I'm you know I'm I'm just using the little energy that I have working for others. Right. right? So I remember that I I I decided to quit, and I said I can't do this anymore. I said I clearly need to take care of myself because I was feeling that I was losing my mind I know it sounds a little bit dramatic Mm -hmm. but but I was just hiding behind a successful job and and tons of work yeah so I just said I can't do this anymore I really need to help myself somehow so I decided to quit my job and I decided to start working on myself 
I have a psychology background. So I studied psychology in Colombia and I was trying to to work on myself, especially because uh, you don't find much support, mm-hmm. um, especially when you are overweight. When you go to the doctor and you are overweight, the first thing that they see is your right. volume. So the answer for everything was right. lose weight. You have like, to lose weight to feel better. This medication doesn't make that very easy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So so it was like a vicious, vi- how do you call it? Vicious right. circle? Yeah, vicious circle. Vicious. Mm-hmm. vicious circle. Because I needed to take a medication, but the medication was uh, somehow making me either eat more or uh, retain liquids or right. things like that. So it was frustrating. And I remember that the feeling of everything was frustration. I stopped every medication. Uh, I decided to stop the medication and I decided just to go on a natural, um, you know, the natural Mm -hmm. side of things. And it worked. Let's say it worked for a while. But then I had at least some alternatives. I could see myself more in control of how I wanted to live the rest of my life. I started reading a lot on um, on natural um, remedies. I started uh, um, reading a lot about what is an autoimmune disease. And there are many theories about it. So I said, okay, the worst thing I can right. do is try. So I started working on myself because I was living in the UK and I couldn't do anything as a psychologist because of all the right. regulations and everything. I, I heard about uh, life mm-hmm. coaching. So I became a life coach and I said, okay, I'm going to do this for me. I'm going to coach myself. <laughs> and I started working on I started working on myself and I and, and I started, you know, um seeing a difference in in the things that I was doing. At the same time, my daughter that was uh, probably 13 or 14 was also going through changes mm-hmm. in her body. And I heard her saying and calling herself names, she was feeling fat. She was feeling ugly. She was feeling not enough. She wasn't feeling pretty. She was always complaining and feeling really, really bad about herself. And then I realized that everything that she was saying to herself was exactly the same things that I have been mm-hmm. saying about myself for years. Wow, I bet that was a hard realization as a mom. Yeah, exactly. So as a mother, I said, okay. I can treat myself really bad and I'm okay with it, but clearly I cannot bear to see my daughter suffering for something that is really not right. important, which is having a little bit of a wobbly mm-hmm. bit, you know, here or there. With skin or just, on it. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Yeah. I, nothing, absolutely nothing. And then I realized that, that I needed to change that everything that I was doing, I needed to do it properly and I really needed to do it honestly and I needed to change my Mm -hmm. speech every day towards myself so she could hear so she could hear me doing it. But from from a loving place in my heart. I mean truly it's not it was not only the you know the yeah, blah, blah, blah. You have to do this. You have to do that. I really needed to do it. And it has to be, it had to be honest 
so she could actually believe it. The same way she believed everything that I said that was bad about myself, being fat, being depressed, Mm -hmm. being ugly, tired all the time and complaining about these things, I needed to change it. And that's exactly what I started doing. I started talking differently to myself. I started loving myself. It wasn't mm-hmm. easy at the beginning. But then but then I started doing all the, the exercises, simple exercises, like just, you know, kissing myself in the mirror, you know, like you just uh, kiss your your hands and then you just kiss your mm-hmm. cheeks like, like you do when you're a right. teenager, saying nice things to myself in the mirror, appreciating the nice things things that I had in my body. And then I realized it was all my body. It was Mm -hmm. normal. I had a great body. Despite the illness, despite being overweight, I was still here. I I was able to give birth to a beautiful daughter. So I I should have been, you know, I realized that I should have been more compassionate about myself and about my body throughout Mm -hmm. the years. And that's what I started doing, basically. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that's amazing. I I love that kind of transition and how you described that, you know, that you were able to find a way to honestly start to love what your body could give you, even though, like, it seems like it would be really easy, especially at first to see only the limitations of your body. And all of a sudden now your body feels like it's holding you back and, you know, keeping you from the things that you want in life. So to be able to take that and turn it into, it's true that there's are some limitations, but I, you know, I, I feel like my body has given me so much and be able to honor that and treasure that part of yourself is kind of awesome. It's amazing. So as far as your uh, daughter was concerned, did you start to see those same changes in her as you were taking this journey for yourself? Yes. At the beginning, she was obviously making fun of me because she said like, mom, why are you doing it? I said, well, I'm beautiful. I'm trying. <laughs> what do you want me to say? I don't need any. I'm trying, you know, I'm beautiful. I'm a, I'm a gorgeous, you have a gorgeous mom. Come on. I've been married twice. That means I'm, you, <laughs> you got know, something. Yep. Not that bad. Um, you know, to make it, yeah. <laughs> you know, to put, just to, to, to make jokes about it. Um, so, so obviously she started seeing that I was a little bit more light to put mm-hmm. it in those terms about the way I was, the way I look. And I said, come on, I'm gorgeous. I'm sexy. I'm hot. Look at me. Come on. Look at this bum. Look at this body. Look at this. Wow. And then I said, well, you don't need anybody to tell you that. And I said, exactly. I don't need anybody to tell me that I'm gorgeous and beautiful because I know mm-hmm. I am. And I don't need anybody else to approve, you know, the way I, I, I looked. It didn't, her change didn't happen uh, overnight, clearly. But then again, if if she was seeing that her mother was confident enough to do things and to and to say things, um, she was she was then starting to get that right. same message. Last year, yeah, last year, I think, while I was doing all these, you know, changes, I remember that I there was a body positivity campaign going on in London with a with a model. Uh, that participated in American mm. Next Top Model. And she was calling people from all body shapes, all body sizes, every color, race, background, anything to participate in a body positivity catwalk here in London. And I said, this is it. I need to do it. All the things that I'm telling myself, everything that I'm saying, this is mm-hmm. this is the real deal. Do I really believe 
do it, you know, do I really believe that I am confident enough to start, you know, to go on a catwalk in Trafalgar Square in my swimsuit looking like this? Let's do it. So I, I, I even told my daughter and I said, let's do it together. Come on. It's body positivity. This is all we're doing. We are beautiful enough to go and do this. We are all beautiful. And I remember that I went with her and she was really shy about it. And 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 again, the the mom instinct or the, the mom thing came out and I mm-hmm. said, come on, we can do this. We're perfect the way we are. Look at everyone here. We are all so different. And at the same time, mm-hmm. all so beautiful. Let's do it together. Wow. And we did. And uh, and I remember that it was amazing. The feeling of empowerment. The feeling of um, being enough, really. I mean, it, it didn't, nothing, nothing really mattered. My cellulite didn't matter. My stretch marks didn't matter. Mm-hmm. Nothing. If I had short hair, long hair, any, nothing. We were just, it was men and women all together in Trafalgar Square last year, just, you know, modeling and and walking and people were really supportive. And we said, yeah, we are beautiful the way we are. And and there's no other way. And it worked. And she did it as well. She said that she didn't like her pictures and everything, but it doesn't Mm -hmm. matter. She did it. And, And she felt confident enough to do it. After that campaign, I started going in every single campaign in Europe because I understood that it made a difference for me. It made a difference to my daughter. And I knew that there were other people out there who needed also to see a woman in her, well, I was 44, Mm -hmm. so, you know, over 40, feeling confident, uh, loving herself, loving her body. And, uh, and I wanted to be a role model for others because I saw the transformation in myself and I saw it in me and I saw it in my daughter and I know it can happen Mm -hmm. and I know it's true. So I said, I'm not going to stop. And this is what I'm going to do. After that, I started, um, you know, I was already a a life coach and I was working Mm -hmm. as a life coach, um, and then I started just, you know, uh, working with more people about body positivity and body image, just telling them my story and say, well, we can do this. Let's do it. You know, we, let's work together. I can help you. I can give you uh, tools. We can discover together what are the things that, you know, might work for you and where you are at the moment and where you want to go uh, in terms of, of the way you feel about yourself. And I've been doing this for two years now. I've been in Milan as well. Um, I've had a photo shoot. Uh, I've been invited. I've been in the Italian news. My Actually, my bum covered with cellulite. Amazing cellulite. It was opening the news in Italy. uh, Because I, I, I did a post saying like, you know what? Loving a perfect body is easy try loving something that looks like this and 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 what i meant was you know my yeah my legs and my bum covered in cellulite because i saw a picture of the body positivity catwalk and i have to admit it it was shocking said so like mm-hmm. oh my god really is it that bad and then i said you know what it's not bad it's normal and i don't care so i actually posted i i i 
because I was being, you know, active on Instagram. I posted it, uh, you know, funny enough, they opened the, the news in Italy uh, with that image. Um, I was in the newspaper, local newspaper here as well, um, because most of the people that were participating in the body positivity catwalk were mm-hmm. models, curvy models, young, very young women uh, and men, but there were only three women over 40. So it was actually beautiful. Those two women I was modeling with, they became good friends of mine. Um, and we were, we were very different. Uh, you know, one is blonde, the other one is black. Mm-hmm. I am Latin. We're all so different. And at the same time, all so beautiful that it was one of the most amazing experiences I've, mm-hmm. I've, I've had in my life. And if I could recommend this to everyone, I would say, try it. Just, it feels mm-hmm. so liberating, Callan. Being able to, after that, I remember that I was even able to wear a bikini at the beach because obviously after after I gained yeah. weight, I said, uh-uh, no way. No, that's, I don't have a bikini body. Right now, I wear bikinis. I'm sexy. I'm beautiful. My daughter is very happy with herself as well. She has changed so much because now everything that she does, it does it from a place of love in her heart and acceptance towards her. Therefore, everything that she does is is um, yeah. is good. Basically, you know, she she eats better. She eats healthier. She doesn't <laughs> exercise because she doesn't mm-hmm. like it, and it's fine with me. But, but there has been a, a huge change in her and also in me. I mean, I'm happier. I am, despite having lupus and fibromyalgia, it was nice. It was actually saying like, you know what? Yes, I, I do have all these conditions, to put it that way. I'm still worth it. I'm still beautiful. I'm still human. I'm still capable of doing amazing things. And I'm still able to be happy. After that, I remember that I was feeling so happy and, and you know, and, and things started changing in me that I wanted to, to exercise a little bit more because during the period of time where I was at my worst in lupus, I was walking with a cane and I was in so much pain all the time that wow. I couldn't even walk for a kilometer, nothing, for a mile, absolutely impossible for me. So I started doing a little bit more and I started walking around the block and then I started feeling better, happier, still in pain. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. It was painful. It was very painful. But I was feeling happier because, because it was my choice. How do I want to go to bed? I want to I, I go to bed feeling that I have accomplished something and I, that I have challenged myself and my body. Or I want to go to bed feeling like, meh, hmm. Okay, I'm still, you know, sad and depressed and and right. you know, those kind of things. And then I started doing it and 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 surprisingly for me, because I still cannot believe it, I was able to jog mm-hmm. and walk because I don't run, but jog and walk five kilometers a race and then mm-hmm. I did a 10k and then I was crazy <laughs> that day. I have no idea what I was thinking and then I yeah, honestly, don't know what I was thinking that day. And I registered for a half marathon because I thought 13.1 and I thought the 13.1 was kilometers. And I said, oh, come on. 
I finished 10K, of course I can do 13K. And then I realized it was miles. And I was like, ah, but I was already in there. And uh, and I said, well, I, I'm, I'm already in this. And yeah. the worst thing I can do is just try. So I started training, training my own way, training from from a chronic illness perspective, which was just three times a week going, you know, walking right. and walking more, more distance and jogging a little bit. And I finished. I have no idea <laughs> how. Amazing. I was in tears. Yeah. I swear. I was in tears. Every single time I cross a finish line, doesn't matter if it's 5K, 10K or half a marathon, I cross the mm-hmm. finish line in tears in tears just because first I'm aching mm-hmm. horribly I'm my whole body aches in a way that I cannot describe but also because I, I get very yeah. emotional because of the accomplishment and it's the best yeah. feeling in the world obviously the second I crossed the finish line I said <laughs> I will never do this again ever never I will never put myself into this mm-hmm. again what was I thinking? But after the recovery, which is like a month or something in my case, uh-huh. I I do it again. Um, and the last one was a 10K in my bra and running pants, just, you know, knickers and bra with seven more hundred women for a campaign called Celebrate You. And it was for mm-hmm. body image and body positivity basically just awareness awareness of body acceptance and and um it was amazing i've i've never thought i was actually going to be able to run or <laughs> jog in bra and pants i mean knickers and bra you know london and oh gosh london we started in buckingham palace actually and um we were like 700 women and it was great. And mm-hmm. I crossed the finish line last with two of the organizers, which is Bryony Gordon and Jada, a model, and another woman also that was um, there with us. And it was great. We were featured in BBC Sport. Again, uh, the Running Channel, which is a YouTube um, mm-hmm. program. And many places because apparently it was inspiring. For me, it was, I mean, I suffered every kilometer. I was, again, in tears. I was in tears again. I was aching. Obviously, um, I don't know, the word is chaffing. Chafing, yeah. Chafing, thank you. Mm-hmm. Chafing. That can be the um, worst. Yeah, chafing. Oh. And it was, I call it chafing from hell. Oh. It, it, oh. it felt, <laughs> it felt, it felt like hell. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was amazing. I did that as well. And, and funny enough today, I got the, regi- you know, the, the email that I was accepted for the London landmark half marathon, 2020. Ooh. Wow. So even though I said never again, <laughs> that's how they get you at the races. Yeah. <laughs> you always say never again, and then you do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I said never again, ever, ever, ever. And today I registered, so we'll see what happens next year. But for now, yeah. um, yeah, I've been doing things and my message basically is just try. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if you're last because I'm always last. And honestly, I don't care because even without me participating in any of those races, there, there are already people getting their last. Yeah. So, yeah. So I loved it. It's a challenge. It's a physical challenge. It's an emotional challenge. 
And at the end of the day, it makes me feel better about myself. And I love it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. Your, your story is so inspirational and so incredible. I think it's amazing that you've been able to go from a place of being depressed and overworked and in so much pain to being able to manage that pain. But what I think what really stood out to me several times throughout you kind of talking about your journey in this is that you can be happy even if you're still in pain. Like I wrote down, it's not the absence of pain that makes us happy, you know? Because I often, I often look at it at this idea of, okay, well, once, once all of these negative or painful or harmful things are out of my life, then maybe I'll be happy. I think a lot of us do that. We wait we wait for those things to be gone before we allow ourselves to be happy. And I love that you said at the end of each race, you're both in a lot of pain, but also incredibly happy that you were able to accomplish that. And I love that both of those two things can happen at the same time and can coexist. Yeah, absolutely. I remember that, that during that last race in my bra and, and, and knickers, one of the women said, so what makes you proud? And I said, mm-hmm. getting out of bed every single day, choosing to get out of bed every day and trying to have the best day. That's it. That that makes me proud because if you have any chronic illness or any chronic pain, you know that it's a daily struggle. It's every day. Mm-hmm. You have better days. Some days are not as good. But again, just just by choosing to have a good day, that that should you know make you feel proud. Yeah, that's an accomplishment. It is, and again, as you said, it has nothing to do with the absence of negative things in your life, or at least in my life. It was just being able to prioritize with you know how I wanted to feel at the mm-hmm. end of the day. Because I'm still going to be in pain. I'm still going to feel tired. But at least I could be tired and in pain having done something that makes me happy. Mm-hmm. It's my choice. And uh, and it has made a difference. And everything has made a difference. The way I see myself, the way I, I have, you know, the way I've learned to be compassionate about myself, my body, what my body is able to do. It has it has impact, you know, my daughter, other people, and myself every day. Yeah. yeah, I love that so much. Thank you so much for being on the show today and sharing your amazing journey and story. I think this has so much value for the women listening and so many lessons to be learned. So I really appreciate it. Thank you, Callan. It's been it's been really nice to talk about it uh, like this in such a nice friendly way Mm. thank you so much yeah so I will definitely post in the show notes a link to your website for life coaching if anybody is interested in um, learning more about you and before we go I just wanted to ask one last question which is if if there's somebody going through something similar maybe they just found out they have a chronic illness or they're just really struggling and trying to find a way out of that rut. 
um, what's what would be one kind of small or maybe not insignificant, but one step that they could take that would help them get closer to where you've been able to come in finding that peace? I would say don't be hard on yourself. Be very compassionate and despite being difficult and despite being hard, try to find that little thing that makes your life happier and hold on to that with everything you have and start there. Mm -hmm. I love that. Yeah, I love that. Thank you so much. Thank you, Kellen. Wasn't that awesome? (laughs) I feel like she had so many amazing things to share that I just kept writing and writing. And I know I came away from that interview inspired to be better and to live life to its fullest. So I really was so grateful that she was willing to share her story. As we go into season two, I have several women's stories already lined up and I'm so excited for you to all be able to hear them there there's a wide range of stories with a wide range of experiences which is exactly what I want I want this this podcast to be about the everyday woman who is experiencing everyday things that can relate to all of us if you know someone or if you have somebody in mind or maybe yourself as you're listening to this. If you have a story to share, then reach out to me. Let me know. I You can contact me through Instagram, Facebook, my website. All of those links will be in the show notes. And I would love to hear from you. I'm always looking for women who are willing to share their stories. And I'm so grateful for that privilege. So let me know (laughs) and we'll continue to keep these going. I will produce them every two weeks. So every two weeks on Wednesday morning is when the new episodes will go live. And like I said, Instagram, Facebook, my website, all of those are good places to keep in touch. And I look forward to getting this going again and to being more active on Facebook and Instagram again. It's been a a wonderful summer with my kids and family, and I'm excited to get back into it. So uh, let me know what you think. If you like the episode, of course, I always appreciate a good rating and um, a subscription to the podcast. And I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks.